Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Athletes that we went to Orlando with, it's we've had some great conversations around inclusion and Special Olympics and all the things uh, that our friends with disabilities go through. And we, I can't wait for you to take a listen to our podcast. Let's get proximate. You can find more information. We are back here on First Lady and Friends. It's been a while, and we're excited to get back into it. Um, we have an incredible guest that I've been trying to get on for a long time. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't <laughs> our, it? Yeah, our, our schedules have been crazy, but um, we had some incredible uh, experiences together in Florida. Uh, J.W. Davies, you're you're here because uh, you you and I got to know each other on um, with Unified Sports, right? So let's let's talk a little bit. But let's before we get into that um, and 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 your your kids and and your story, let's go let's go back to you know your childhood. Where did you where did you grow up? Where you know tell me a little bit about your family and your your upbringing. Sure. Yeah, I grew up in Fillmore, um, Utah, on a farm and dairy farm, crop farm, and loved Millard High School. Go Eagles! We. <laughs> The cool thing about a small school like that is you can play a lot of sports, you know, growing up. And my parents taught me how to work hard. They, they're just awesome people, well-respected in the community and have great values. And so, yeah, that's where I grew up. And then, um, after that, I went to Snow College. So I wasn't too far. Yep. That's right. (laughs) Which is where I met Jen, my Mm. wife. And, and, um, that was after a mission that I'd served. Where were you? In Canada. Okay. Yeah, up in Alberta. So, so yeah. And then when we got married, we moved up to Utah State. And, Go uh, Aggies. Yep, that's right. <laughs> exactly. We loved Logan and everything about it up there. So, yeah, yeah that's kind of yeah. kind of the background. Um, I have one brother and one sister, and they live in Fillmore still, and so do my parents. Oh, great. Yeah. So is the dairy farm still... No, dairy farms shut down. Yep, yeah, dairy farms shut down. But they're still raising alfalfa and okay. corn and have a couple of pivots there. Oh, that's So cool. <clears throat> instead of having to move the sprinklers by hand, my dad runs it from his phone. I was going right? to say, okay, yeah. so for those of you, my listeners, that do not know what a pivot is, this is a way to irrigate the water in a very efficient way. Yeah. Uh, it takes out all that fun labor that we did as kids. Where we move pipe one one pipe at a time, yeah. 
But it's really incredible because, you know, as it relates to, you know, the efficiencies of our of our water and, and, you know, we're all very hyper aware of that right now. It really is great to to have that. But I don't know. Is it taking away our kids? Yeah. Work (laughs) ethic. I I, I have probably. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I remember one time changing the sprinkler line and my dad had just bought a brand new 87 Chevy truck. It was cherry red. I took it out in the field. I picked up the pipe and I went to rotate it and I wasn't far enough from the truck. I was perfectly the right distance from the truck and it scraped his brand new truck all the way from the bumper on the front to the bumper in the back. And my dad was so nice. And you're still alive to talk about it. I know. He was (laughs) just smiling, biting his cheeks, you know. And So I know those were the good days back on the farm. But So you... I can't. Yeah, I don't know that any dad wouldn't have lost their. Yeah, I know. I would be a temper. lot more frustrated than he was. I'm sure he was inside, <laughs> but on the outside, he was great. He was good that way. Spencer tells a story of when he was, um, on you know, when he was a kid, and he went out to plant, and you know, again, you have to kind of be a farmer to really understand this. But he he put the alfalfa seed, which is very very tiny tiny and it goes through a little you know process when you plant it it goes down through this little little openings Mm -hmm. um the same the same planters uh we call them drills sometimes when are also plant grain uh you know like barley or something like that and that's bigger bigger so that's Mm -hmm. in the bigger section well he didn't know this and he put it the alfalfa seed mm, in the yeah. grain seed place <laughs> and did two two swaths yeah. down and back and that and it was, was gone. the end of the yeah. alfalfa it was, seed. It was planted. And, you know, the whole field, you know, the rest of the field didn't have alfalfa because, and, and it's so expensive. Yeah. Alfalfa yeah. seed, for anybody that doesn't know, is so expensive. Yeah, and I remember, is. you know, you have to be real careful. So, yeah, his dad did not. Smile and say nothing. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> he was no. a little more. No, he got it. Yeah. He got it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, lear- learning things on the farm is a, is a big deal and it helps us to, it's certainly helped me to navigate life really well. So I hope kids always get that experience. I know, right? Yeah. Have you, so, uh, you know, so then you, you went to Utah State and then uh, from there, where? Well, so I'm an accountant. So I studied accounting at Utah State. And I went to work for a CPA firm up in Logan and loved it, actually. My dad did tell me growing up, he's like, get an education, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And I I followed his advice. And so we stayed in Logan with that CPA firm for about eight years. Okay. And then... Uh, I had an opportunity to buy in as a partner in that CPA firm. And that time we only had one office, which was in Logan. And my partner said, hey, we want to open up other offices across the state of Utah. And he said, uh, uh, and they said, hey, we want to open so another office. So we opened in Salt Lake. And I chose to not live in Salt Lake. I want being a small town kid, I wanted to grow up or have my family in a smaller town. So we moved to Heber. Mm-hmm. And then I would commute from Heber uh, to Salt Lake every day for, you know, eight years. But we we had a lot of success. We opened an office in Salt Lake, another office in Heber, another office in Orem. But about 11 years ago, um, split up from that firm. And then we started Davies Allen, which is the 
the CPA firm that I own now with several other okay. people across, oh. and have a lot of offices yeah, across the Amazing. state. That's, so that's incredible. And, and Heber was a small town then. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I know that was like 18 years ago. Yeah. And it was starting to grow, but not near what it is now. Yeah. The secret got out. Yeah. It's a beautiful place and it's not too far away and it's, and there's still a lot of agriculture and just yeah. a small town feel up yeah. there. Yeah, so. I remember, gosh, it was probably 15, 20 years ago, we drove into the into the Heber Valley one time and I thought, this feels like the San Pete Valley to me. It feels, it has that same, you know, I thought I could live here. Yeah. This, yeah. It feels right. Yeah. No, it's very nice. It's beautiful. And there's so much recreation to do. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, you're close to the lakes and the ski resorts and, you know, good fishing in the rivers and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So. Mountain biking is great. Hiking, so much to do. So is that what your family? So let's talk a little bit about your family now. So you have how many? How many children? So I have five kids. Five kids. Yep. So I have Wyatt is the oldest. Tate who has Down syndrome, who we were in Orlando with. Yeah. He's uh, almost twenty-two. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. And then I have um, another son, Jackson, who's in Brazil. Yes. Same place that you're. Yeah. Son served on his mission and then um, two girls on the end. Okay. Chesney and Chandler. So So let's yeah, let's let's talk about this. Um I, I wanna get into talking about our experiences in Orlando and what we've been doing with Unified Sports and we'll do that when we come right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. We're back here with J.W. Davies. We've uh, we connected with Special Olympics Unified Sports. Um, so you you mentioned that Tate is your second son who was born with Down syndrome. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that experience. So you you had Wyatt, your older your oldest, mm-hmm. and then um, and then Tate comes along. What did you? When did you know he had Down syndrome? Was before, after he was born? Yeah, the morning after he was born. Okay, so it was a complete surprise and shock to us. We that night when he was born, we were we looked at him and we're like, Jen will tell you this. She's like, he looks a little different. You know, (laughs) I don't know what it is, but we were tired and we went to bed. But then we were woken up early in the morning by the by the pediatrician saying, hey. Um, we think he has down syndrome. He definitely has heart problems, which we didn't know about. And, and life light is on the way to come pick him up. Oh, wow. So we're like, okay, trying to process all that was, was a big surprise, but, um, but yeah, it was, if you talk to Jen, um, she'll tell you that when we were dating, she was con- she was like, if I date this kid, we're probably going to have a kid with special needs. Because at Snow College, I took care of some kids down there. It was, it was my job to mm-hmm. watch kids with special needs. And she would come along with me and we had some crazy 
stories I could tell you about <laughs> them. But they were um, – anyway, so yeah. So Tate was born and we were, yeah, trying to deal with all that because he immediately had to have heart surgery mm-hmm. and deal with some of those those issues. Yeah, I think – and for those that don't know, I mean almost – I don't know the percentages and maybe you do, um, but I think a large portion of our of our children that were born with Down syndrome have some kind of heart yeah. um, issue that some they're- Some kind of defect. All, yeah. That they're born mm-hmm. with as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's not uncommon at all. It's a congenital type of an issue, but yeah, yeah I don't know the percentage either. Uh, yeah, yeah. I should find that out. But yeah, I think it's a very common story that most- that's usually the first sort of physical issue that people have to deal with when when that child is is born is, yeah. is some kind of heart surgery. Fifty percent. Fifty. Yeah. There we there go. You go. Yeah. The crazy thing is, also, we when we were living in Logan, we lived in the I don't know if you remember the old mobile home like trailer. Oh yeah, part, yeah, part yeah, yeah. There. And I we had a neighbor who I was home teaching at the time. And they had a child. Um, well, she was pregnant and we were getting to know them a little bit. She went in and um, gave birth and the, and the baby had heart problems and died. Mm-hmm. It was so sad for me oh, to, as gosh. a neighbor. And this was before Tate was born. So these are the memories kind of going through my right. mind when, when Tate was born. And, and uh, so we didn't know quite what to expect, but... Right. But we've been lucky. He had yeah. surgery when he was one years old, um, another surgery when he was a year and a half. But then ever since then, he, you know, they told us he would probably have to have it when he was six and when he was 11. And mm. But he's 22 and so far, you know, so good. Sorry. And, so and he's lucky. in pretty good health. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. he's um, he's doing great. He loves to get out and play ball and. And he enjoys the sport and he loves to be with his friends and he loves to be integrated with the kids at high school. And that's kind of, you know, when he graduated from high school, that was kind of one of the harder things. Yeah. So let's talk about that from, from the early ages. So after he was born and, and you had the surgeries and then, um, he, he comes to your family there, uh, you have, you know, he has an older brother and obviously eventually gets siblings that are younger than him as well. Um, where, how, how were the friendships developed with people outside of his home, out, you know, mm-hmm. at school? One thing I, I heard from somebody the other day was, um, you know, my child with, with intellectual disabilities has never been invited to a birthday party. I mean, so was that your experience or did you find a community that, that really, in, not just one, another thing I heard from somebody with, uh, with a disability, they said, people are friendly, but I didn't have any friends. So maybe talk a little bit yeah. about Tate's experience there. Yeah, You know, Tate, because of the way the school's integrated in grade school, you know, and elementary school and up. He was able to be in classrooms with Perfect. kids, and it was awesome. He, I, I hear what you're saying though. There is a difference between people being friendly, and everybody was so friendly in Hebrew. Yes. Everybody, you can hardly go to the grocery store or somewhere without like, oh, 
you know, hey, hey, how's it going? And everybody's so friendly. But they're, you know, they are different. So, yeah. do you know, I don't know how many birthdays he – he had a lot of people come to his birthday parties. I don't know how many he got birthday invited. parties he got invited yeah. to. You know, I mean some. Yeah. But it's different and you can't force it to be any – you know, it is just kind of what it is. Yeah. But he had great – he also has a lot of great cousins mm-hmm. that are his age. And so – at high school, in high school, Tate was like, he was like the star of the show. Like every, like literally, I'm not, they weren't just trying to be nice. They literally thought he was like the coolest kid ever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, um, it's springtime. We're going to be voting for next year's student body officers. Someone's going to call and have Tate be in their skit because he drew attention and, you know, and people thought it was cool. And his, he had a few... Uh, cousins that were really instrumental that mm-hmm. were um, his age. So anyway, and his, and his siblings. So, what about? Did you see? I mean, on the flip side of that, did you see any kind of bullying, or have you seen any any not, where people were discriminating? Not against really. Him? No, I wouldn't. I uh, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. No, we didn't. We didn't notice that. He was always treated so nice by everybody and well accepted. And they've tried to, like, we've just tried to treat him like he's not a limiting factor in our family. When we go hiking, he goes hiking with us. When we go on vacation, he goes with us. When we go everywhere. And so the same thing with the, you know, when there were dances at school, he would, you know, invite a date and go on a dance. Yeah. And so. And was he asked? Yeah, yeah, he was asked. Yeah. And he was asked by a lot of just super cute girls that were just so friendly and nice and gave him a great experience. That's yeah. amazing. So so let's talk a little bit about his experience with Special Olympics Unified Sports. Uh, when did you first um, start participating in the program and, and, you know, what was what was that like and, and you know, how, how did that affect him? Yeah. So I think it was early on in high school. Wasatch had did, has done a really good job of yeah. of having these um, Special Olympics, the unified uh, program. And so I think he played for, I think since he was a freshman, mm-hmm. uh, if I recall right. But they, they play soccer. They would also play basketball yeah. and track as well. And he loves, he just loves sports because he would look at a, up to his older brother who was on the Wasatch High School basketball team. And he's like, hey, I want to. Be like him, and he would sit on the sideline during the varsity games with the coach, and the coaches always had him right there, helping. and And Tate would always have some scolding remarks to the other coach, you know, <laughs> like telling him, "Like your guy's cheating," or you know, well, "Keep keep your hands off of him." But so Tate loves basketball. We grew up as big Utah Jazz fans, and he loves to go to those games. So he just always loved the game of basketball. So for him to be able to get out on the court and play and have his siblings play with him and other friends in the community on the team who aren't disabled, who don't have special needs, to be able to keep the game moving, you know what I mean, right? To keep it exciting and have the good flow of the ball up and down the court was just, was awesome for him. So he, I think he's pretty much played now for, I don't know, it's six or seven years and... So it was it was so cool 
to have you at Wasatch High School oh, to make gosh. that announcement. And the whole student body was just going crazy and so excited for him. And the the assembly was there. I, I will never forget that day. I, I will never forget it either. And honestly, it's, it's a core memory now for me. It just I, – I could hardly make the announcement because I was so emotional. Um, I've never – seen anything quite like that and it was our first real experience um and we were we were announcing that they were chosen to be a part of the usa games in disney world florida and i have to say like there there just wasn't anything better we had the jazz bear there we had jazz dancers mm-hmm. there we had uh i mean it was you know, state championship atmosphere when they were playing. Yeah, and they, they played a parents. game together. Yeah, the, it was, and it was a close game. Yeah, and it was competitive, and the student body was going crazy. But yeah, I still have the pictures of Tate with the jazz dancers, and yeah. he's just smiling ear to ear. You know, he was just loving it. It was amazing. It was, it was just yeah, that was. So, so we cool. announced that they were going to the USA Games, and I tell you, they're they're just wasn't anything better and um our experiences going to those games uh, i don't know about you i i will just say my my favorite memory was that we had a game against florida um the home the home team basically there in in florida but they they were they were i mean they were killing us they were it was we were getting kind of blown out and I guess just sitting there watching the other coaches and the other team from Florida just deciding that every kid on that floor was going to score. Yeah. Um, it, it was just unbelievable. There's just nothing like it in the world. Yeah, it was, um, it was awesome. It, it, is, it is literally, and I say this, I don't I say this everywhere I go, it's, it's this... It's the cure to what ails us as a country, as a society, as a community. You know, if if we if we could all participate in unified sports with the Special Olympics or any kind of Special Olympics event, I'm telling you, like, it's it's the way. But I love the unified aspect of this because, you know, as somebody who's a special education, former special education teacher, um, I love what you're talking about the integration the um the unifying effect and what it does for our typically developing peers them getting to know Tate them getting to know our our friends with special needs that they've changed my life and they change everybody's life that they that they impact it, yeah. you know. So I I just think it's the best. Tell me a little bit yeah. about your core memories, maybe from the from, you yeah. know, from the USA games. Yeah. So one of my best memories is actually when they played Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and the reason is not so much during the game, although the game was fun and 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 again the spirit of competition was mm-hmm. there, but maybe the spirit of unity was there more and. After the game, the teams got together and they traded jerseys. Uh, and so Tate still has this Massachusetts jersey yeah. that he wears today to his practices. <laughs> and I and I look back and think on some of those players specifically and I just think, wow, what a cool a cool thing it is. And I I agree with you. My children are better because of Tate. Yeah. Wyatt our oldest son has written a book. He wrote a book and it's like basically the 
the blessings that come from Down syndrome from a brother's perspective. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And he's, he, my kids literally, and, and me and my wife and I, uh, my wife and I have had experiences that we would have never had if we, if we didn't have Tate on Unified really quick. Last Saturday, 3A Utah High School swim meet competition. I was there. And I have a nephew who is has um, autism, okay. and he was swimming. And for the first time ever, in the middle of the state competition, they let these unified swimmers participate in the competition. And what you said a minute ago, like it is the unified, like if you could take this that spirit and the feeling that was there and everybody was just cheering and there wasn't a dry eye in the room when those swimmers were swimming and when the last one finished – it would I'm, I agree with you it would heal it would heal America yeah if everybody had that experience every yeah. so often yeah and and to me it's this probably isn't the the best word but I'm addicted I can't <laughs> I can't get enough in fact I was we were just in Washington DC um, with the National Governors Association and you know we had meetings and we had back to back to back meetings and um, I I was able to present different people on what we were doing. And I, I'm telling you, people are ready to get involved. Mm. And I actually went and visited the the world headquarters in D.C. of the Special Olympics. And I was talking to Tim Shriver, who's the chair of the Special Olympics. And he's and I kept saying, I really want to get to Berlin. I just I just feel like because it's the International World Games for the Special Olympics in Berlin in June. And I, I said, I just I can't get enough. I have to go after Orlando. I'm like, he's mm-hmm. like, OK, you're coming. <laughs> so, OK, we're going to make it. We're going to figure out how to make this work because I have to get there. I can't you know, I just there's just you can't even describe it. I know. They say you know, it's, try it's, to put it into words. It's hard. That's yeah. exactly right. Like there, there aren't words. You just have to come experience it. So I encourage all our listeners, if you know, go on our website, find events that we're doing with the Unified, uh, with Special Olympics Unified Sports, and come join us. We will be having our basketball state basketball tournament in at Weber State on March eighth. We would you know invite any, anybody that wants to come and watch and participate, come with us and. It's it, you'll never be the same. Yeah. Um, I want to get into what you're doing next, especially as it relates to Tate as he's transitioning. We'll do that when we come right back. We're back here with J.W. Davies. He's a parent of a child that has uh, that he is a Special Olympics athlete, and Tate is is delightful. First of all, he I, I have to laugh when we. <laughs> He was at the when we were at the USA Games in Florida. I remember talking to your son Jackson, who was playing on the team. He yeah. was a unified partner, playing together, which had to be so beautiful to oh. see both of your boys playing together. I remember my kids, my three boys, played church ball together one time, and I'm like, "Oh, all my boys together <laughs> on the same team! It's right. so fun." No, it definitely was so fun to watch them together. Oh, so great, and and so. I just, you know, we were talking a little bit in the break about how much, um, two things come to mind, how much, uh, unified sports with the Special Olympics actually leads to more inclusion in our classrooms. Yep. And I think that's a big deal. And you, you talked a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, I, I, these kids just, um, what's, what's so cool about inclusion is it, it's good for Tate. But it's also good 
for those kids who don't have special needs. We were talking a little bit about the awkward hug, you know, that sometimes <laughs> special needs kids can come up and give you. And I have noticed, like at least at Wasatch, that most kids, when Tate comes up to give them a big hug, they embrace it rather yeah. than like being, you know, awkwardly distancing themselves yeah. from it. And I just attribute so much of that, I think, to the inclusion yeah. because they're like, hey, this is this is part of the world around us and we can embrace it and we can and we love it for, you know, love them for who they are. Yeah. So. Well, and I think as they see this, as it, as it relates to what you're doing next with Tate, you know, you, we see this, you know, as we grow up, as it becomes, you know, less novel to have people with all abilities in your classrooms together as kids go through school and in your communities and they're not separate. They're not, you know, distant from the rest of the community they're embraced for and and you know kids with with down syndrome are usually more gregarious more you know uh, show a lot of emotion a yeah. lot of uh, a loving emotion um there are kids with different types of um disabilities or syndromes that that maybe don't come off as as quite that um you know those kinds of personalities or or those kind of emotional traits so it may be harder, but I think as we start to normalize having them in all aspects of our community, I think it goes a lot a long way to us being more inclusive in our workplace. In yeah. you know, if you have mm-hmm. somebody that has you know is on the spectrum in your workplace, you're going to have you know a lot more um, you know the ability to to connect with them, yeah. to, patience, to grow friendship, understanding. Yep, all of that. So I just think that when we're, when we include them in our classrooms at school and when they're part of, part of our friend groups, it's, it's, it's such a blessing for everybody that's involved. And, um, I know my kids, they just think that he's the best thing ever. And so we love it when we get to share him with other people. One, one of the hard things is, that when high school ends, there the inclusion kind of dissipates. Yeah, because now all of a sudden, their ability to be integrated at, at a in a social environment is not there, and so that's one of the things I'm focused on right now to try to help Tate going forward. Because in the state of Utah, we have this. Um, the opportunity for these kids to continue to go to school uh, for another four years after high school transition college. Um, But, but it's just, and it's wonderful. Like the things that they learn, they continue teaching, but their friends move away. Usually go to Mm -hmm. college or, you know, do other things in life, go on missions or whatever it is. And so trying to continue to find ways to keep them integrated is kind of that next phase we're facing. Yeah, so talk a little bit about that. We, um, I know there's, the, you know, depending on the situation and depending on the the person, it's it's going to look a little different. But there's not really a great um, sort of next step for yeah. for these kids. So talk right. a little bit about what you're doing. Well, I think what the natural thing, what our what our community is trying to do now is say, oh, let's get them in a job. Let's get them to be a greeter at Walmart or let's get them to be, um, you know, at the car wash or wherever. And those things are good and they're they're worthy 
to pursue. But what I'm learning is that these kids with special needs have delayed learning. Mm -hmm. They still continue to learn. So they, Tate, even though he's 22 and he's done with high school, you know, technically, he's not, he's maybe at a middle school level of reading and, and speech is still coming. And so to me, I think before we can really integrate them in jobs, and, and, and again, this is, there's a wide spectrum of what I'm talking about here, but I think for the most part, these kids need to continue to be educated mm-hmm. before we try to throw them in a job. And so that's kind of where I'm going with this a little bit as a continued education environment where we can still integrate them with community events. Mm. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of where. Yeah. So, and then you, so you have a group that's ready to sort of um, do some kind of traditional or I mean a transitional center, right? Is that what you're, yeah. yeah. Well, so in, up in Heber, we have, um, I mean, this is, this is, a project we're working on right now, but we have two and a half acres from a development that I was a part of in Heber city. It's called blue sage ranch. And all of the partners that came together on that project said, Hey, we want to take two and a half acres and we want to dedicate and donate this to a nonprofit for a future educational facility for kids that have these special needs. And so we want to continue to see them learn and progress and grow and not just be, all right, hey, 22 years old and and good luck. You, you know, hope you have fun sitting at home on, you know, your phone all day, right, for yeah. the rest of whatever. And there's some government funding for people out there that that uh, the families can put them with service providers that can entertain them and continue to take them out. But that the DSPD list is long and not very many people are on it. And so there's just a lot of these these kids who are just isolated at home. So basically, yeah, we call it the Heber Valley Center for Learning. That's what we're calling it. And we've talked with the Wasatch School District who loves the concept and loves the idea. We've talked with a lot of prominent wealthy families in the state and other organizations, well-known organizations in the state who love the idea too. Um, so we're talking about a school and I guess the school really won't be integrated either, you know, but, but what we plan to do is integrate with a lot of community events at that center. Yeah. So um, my wife always talks about her experience growing up in Sandy with Wheeler farms and going and doing swing dancing. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to do community events like that at this center where people can come into our rec center and play basketball we'll have a full court basketball um there and we'll be able to maybe have a league and we'll do continue to to do some of these some of these integrated sports but also um continue to educate them because i think once once tate can speak better Mm -hmm. once he can read better then he's going to become more employable yes right yeah so i just think we're i think the social gap that we've identified is that these kids are continuing to learn. We need to continue to educate. Gotcha. We can't yep. just like stop educating them like we think everybody else has done educating and, you know, 
calling it. Yeah, but and and it makes so much sense because the truth is um, that's a model for everyone. I mean, we 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 you know we take our typically develop their typically developing peers. They they go to some either college or or you know some kind of uh, training you know uh, you know certificate program yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. They continue to learn and, and what we're doing in, you know, post education world, you know, when you go into a job, you're still continuing to learn. Yeah, right. So I, I think you're, you're exactly right that there's no reason that we shouldn't be doing the same for our friends with disabilities as well. And so I think, uh, you know, we're fully supportive. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and like Utah State has a great program called Aggie Elevated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where they invite these kids to their campus up at Utah State and they'll put them through some college. But it's like we're talking, you know, five or ten people or I, I don't know what yeah. the limit is right now, but it's not, you know, the capacity is not enough. Yeah. So I think we just across the country could use more continuing educational facilities for special needs individuals as they are done with high school and transition. Yeah. Yeah. College. I think that's exactly right. Um, before we end, I do want to talk a little bit about your uh, Tate's entrepreneurial um, endeavors. He is a successful entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. So much. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least so his talk, parents are trying to make him that way. I know. Yeah. So talk a little bit about uh, Hannah and Tate's. And I have to say, Hannah is is another one of our friends uh, at Wasatch who was on the team. And she and Tate... Our dear, dear friends, and um, I would I would say even you know girlfriends, yeah, <laughs> boyfriend. I know those two are <laughs> always texting and on the phone together, and they have so much fun. But they have a food truck called okay. Tate and Hannah that they they basically do dirty sodas and then ice cream, and it's pretty fun for them to get out in the community and meet people. So they've had yeah they've had a lot of fun doing that and and. Uh, they're, you know, as parents, if you want to get real with it a little bit, it's like, <laughs> okay, guys, let's go, you know, and they're so excited to do it and they just, and they love it. But, um, you know, you, you're still raising kids that are 20 and 22 year old yes, bodies, yes. <laughs> you know, but they're not quite 22 year old, but Hannah is the best. She's, She's so good. So sweet. She's so cute. And yeah, we love her to death. So it's been fun doing that food truck. It's been a lot of a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure it's still a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I have to, a 22 year old that I don't think could run a food truck either. So yeah, <laughs> you know, when it's like crap, we're out of small cups, and then yeah. you're down in Costco and Salt Lake, and it's like, oh boy, all right, hop in the car, and you know, you yep, got to go yep. do it. But we love those kids, and that's why we do it. That's what, it's it's like you know when on the farm, you know, you as a parent, it's a lot harder to make them work than to do it themselves so you know yeah you just do it 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 either you know yeah just go for it you just you just do it because you're helping your kids and you want them to learn some lessons and and it's harder for you it'd be easier if they weren't doing it but hey (laughs) this is this is where we're at as parents it really is fun and rewarding our kids love to go out with them and do it that's fun yeah well, I have to say, I, I had a fun time talking to Jackson as well and our experiences in, in Florida. I remember one morning we were there to watch the game and, 
and the team was waiting for their turn to get on the court, uh, waiting for some games to finish up. And, and Jackson said, Ooh, I don't know. Tate's on one this morning. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I couldn't, he was his roommate. He's like, I couldn't get him. I had to literally get his feet out of bed this morning because he did not want to get up. No, it's true. Like, I mean, it's funny because you're, and it's like most out, you know, people looking from the outside in, they are loving and friendly and happy. And that's the side that most people see, but they can be stubborn yeah. too. You know what I mean? <laughs> like when they, when they don't want to do something, good luck. Yeah. Well, and I, when they're little and their bodies, you can pick them up and move them. And now it's like, I guess he's not coming. Cause yeah. Cause he's cannot, an adult yeah. and this is the decision he's made. <laughs> yeah. And... He is staying here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but but seriously, like I could tell you so many stories. Like I think we've lost Tate in almost every, well, at least thirty five states of being. Like he's been lost somewhere, and and you know, thank goodness for now. Apple Watch helps us find Keep him. You know, but before that, he he was like my family has so many stories of just cool, cool experiences, and including some of the ones where we lost him. Of just lessons that we've learned, you know, from the kid. So he's just well, he's awesome. a beautiful soul, and he's he's taught me, and he's taught me a lot. Like a lot of my friends, all of my friends um, that that have disabilities, they have taught me, and I'm a better person. I've taught, you know, I've learned compassion and 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 genuine love and caring and just how to be the best type of human ever yeah. from them. If we could all just do it, I think we'd be in a better world. Yeah. he. Can I tell you just a really quick Absolutely. story? Really quick. So they're so unassuming and they're genuinely authentic in their questions and yes. in their motives, right? Yes. So one time we're coming out of Walmart and there is a, a gentleman in a wheelchair coming out and he's an amputee. You can tell he's from, you know, uh, one of the wars. Well, Tate doesn't know much about war history. Yes. You know, we need to get him to school to educate him a little yes. more about war history. But he loves Jaws, you know, and sharks. So he goes up to this individual and he's just so innocent. And he's like, he looks at him all serious, like, and his face is concerned. And he's asked him, like, shark attack? You know, like... <laughs> And, and my wife and I are like, date, no, that's inappropriate. Like this guy served our country, like, but he doesn't understand that, you know, but, um, you know, in the back of our minds, we're laughing, you know, because it's funny. (laughs) It's so, it's funny, but those kind of experiences, uh, just, we can, we go on dates with people and we can tell our, you know, friends hours and hours of stories about funny Tate Tate stuff like that. Yeah. It was so entertaining. Oh, I love it. I, yeah, I, I've said on this podcast many times, I grew up with one of my dearest friends had Down syndrome and, and that his family, I still get stories about John and Christmas and how they used to tell him that, that Santa Claus was going to bite his toes off if they, if he didn't wear his slippers to bed on Christmas Eve. Oh, really? (laughs) So to this day, 
I mean, he's two years older than me. To this day, he wears his slippers so, yeah, to bet. bed on Christmas Eve. Well, you want to keep your toes, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so fun, so fun. I love it. And, uh, you know, all the best to Tate and, and your family. We've learned so much, and we'll continue to partner with you on all your endeavors, and, and we'll, we'll accomplish these goals together. So thank you again for being on the program today. Thank you so much. And I would just put in one quick little plug yes. for this this um, development, this center that we're doing up mm-hmm. in Heber. I would just say anybody that might be listening that is willing and has an interest in promoting yep. this concept and this this facility, we are we would love to talk um, and and um, yeah. see how we can how we can get this thing done up there because we still are looking for donations. Okay. We'll put that, we'll put that information on our, on our show notes too. So thank you so much. Thank you. If you want more information about the Heber Valley Center for Learning, email JW Davies at JW at DaviesAllen.com. Thanks for being a friend. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.